As a vibrant part of campus life, our chapel gathering at Trinity Western creates opportunities for us to hear and be changed by God's story in Jesus through music, teaching, prayer, scripture reading, and storytelling. We're glad you're listening in today. We hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. sayings and let me tell you like I love them right so some of my favorites are won't he do it or say it louder for the people in the back or listen and one of my favorite kind of sassy phrases is you gonna learn today right I feel like this is kind of how Job was expressing himself you gonna learn today. You are gonna learn about all of my anguish and my bitterness and my struggle and my pain. You gonna learn, God gonna learn, cause y'all not gonna have me on this struggle bus by myself. So today we're gonna be taking a look at Job 7, starting in verse 11 through 21 uh, to get a sense of what what Job is feeling, right, as he responds to uh, his first friend. So the scriptures read in Job 7, 11 through 21, and I'm in the NLT version for those who are following along and you have a digital app and you can change the translation. It says, I cannot keep from speaking. I must express my anguish. My bitter soul must complain. Am I a sea monster or a dragon that you must place me under guard? I think my bed will comfort me and sleep will ease my misery. But then you shatter me with dreams and terrify me with visions. I would rather be strangled, rather die than suffer like this. I hate my life and I don't want to go on living. Oh, leave me alone for my few remaining days. What are people that you should make so much of us, that you should think of us so often? For you examine us every morning and test us every moment. Why won't you leave me alone? At least long enough for me to swallow. If I have sinned, what have I done to you? O watcher of all humanity, why make me your target? Am I a burden to you? Why not just forgive my sin and take away my guilt? For soon I will lie down in the dust and die. When you look for me, I will be gone. Job had a lot on his mind. And many Christians would read this passage and say things like, isn't it refreshing? Isn't it awesome that we can just be honest with God? That we can just tell him whatever it is that we are thinking and feeling and God can handle it. Right, And it's true, God can handle our feelings. God can take our raw honesty. And sometimes God has to forgive us for the things that we say as we begin to talk at the side of our necks, as we are expressing all of our feelings. 
Um, but as I studied this passage, I felt like God wanted me to remind you to be careful of a few things. Uh, so let's pray before we dig into this passage. Uh, Father God, we come before you this uh, day, God. We thank you so much for all that you're doing. God, we thank you for uh, this time in Job, uh, God, to learn uh, from a man whom you thought so highly of. Uh, Father, give us wisdom to understand what your scriptures say today. Uh, Father, remove me and fill me with your Holy Spirit, God, that I may speak only the things that you would have me speak, nothing more and nothing less. Uh, Father, we love you, and it's in your son's name we pray all these things. Amen. All right, so here's my first point. Be careful to maintain your reverence. Be careful to maintain your reverence. We can be open about our feelings and our hurts and our, our thoughts and all of those things, but we need to be careful to maintain our reverence. Now, I might not give this advice to everyone, right? Because this advice, uh, not everyone even knows what it means to reverence God, right? To honor God. Not everyone even believes in God to, to make the connection that he should be revered, that he should be honored. However, I am confident that the wonderful students at TWU have made decisions somewhere along the line that they are going to follow God, that they are gonna make Jesus Lord, uh, that they believe in God and are therefore studying at this university. And so I know that I ain't talking to everybody, right? I'm saying you probably should know better. It reminds me of this um, phrase that parents might say, uh, no right, do right. You see, I was born to a feisty little Filipina um, who taught me in the ways of no right, do right. Uh, she loved us. She sacrificed for us. Um, but what she was not going to tolerate was disrespect. It wasn't happening. It wasn't popping off in the Wilson household. And so I have this um, vivid uh, uh, view of my mom, like with her, her hand raised kind of like this. And she would say, you want smack? You want smack? Now, clearly, we did not grow up where uh, rods were spared, uh, children were spoiled. Um, and I don't think that God is in the habit of sparing rods and spoiling his children right? He may do it in other ways. I know that I have received quite a few swift kicks to my behind from my sweet and ever-loving Jesus. And let me tell you, unlike Job, I deserved every single one of them. And the mess hurts. Um, but we have this um, understanding that we should revere our parents, right? That we should honor them. As the scriptures say, honor your mother and your father so that it may go well with you. The same thing um, applies, but why do we need to reverence God when we speak to him, right? When we pray to him, because, because he says so, right? It's just, like, it's just like with your parents, because I said so, right? Because God said so. Um, in Leviticus 19, verses 30 and 32, here's what the scriptures say. This is the NIV. Observe my Sabbath and have reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Stand up in the presence of the age, show respect for the elderly, and revere your God. I am the Lord. You know, the Hebrew word, uh, yare, that is used um, for this word, uh, revere, is often translated fear, 
as in fear, be afraid, fear God, be feared, be honored, stand in awe, right? Revere, as in these scriptures, Psalm 147, 11. No, the Lord's delight is in those who fear him, those who put their hope in his unfailing love. Or Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord camps around those who fear God and he saves them. Can we get a, a little praise report for our angels that are encamped around those who fear God? You see, here's the thing. We know that, that Job passes the test, right? We know that he stays righteous. But here in chapter 7, Job comes really close, right, to the line. First, he's just complaining. He's just like, oh, I'm so tired. Like, I got all of these struggles. I try to go to sleep. I'm having nightmares when I sleep. And then he's depressed. He's expressing some suicidal thoughts. So he's going through kind of these motions of wanting to die. And then he starts to catch an attitude with God. This is where, this is where it gets interesting. He starts to catch an attitude with God and he begins to get a little bit sassy right? And my mama would have most definitely asked me if I wanted a smack, if I said these things to God. So here's what he says, uh, again, just to read it again, in, uh, verses 17 to 21. What are people that you should make so much of us, that you should think of us so often? For you examine us every morning and test us every moment. Why won't you leave me alone, at least long enough for me to swallow? Right? Doesn't Job just sound like an ornery teenager? Just ornery. Yeah, I said ornery. An ornery teenager. Why are you always watching me? Why you want to look at my phone? Why you in my room? Get out. Leave me alone. Right? Don't he sound like an ornery teenager? Right? He's, I don't care about building my character. I don't want to build my character. And then he's like, ugh. Right? I'm in youth ministry. And so the teens, that's their thing. Ugh. To express their anguish. And all of the parents are like, you want smack? Like, you keep keep on me like it just gets under their nerves and I even remember uh, when I when I was a young teenager uh, the phrase was man something like, man man and my mom was like don't you man me don't you man me you want smack no mommy like just don't man mama she wasn't having it right and then there's my daddy who would be like look I done brought you out this world brought you in this world and I will take you out keep playing right so <laughs> Y'all are like, oh, how, are, how are you such a, like a, 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 like a, a secure person? I, I was loved, but I was also taught uh, to be respectful. But then this is where Job gets real spicy in verse 20. If I have sinned, what have I done to you, O watcher of humanity? Why make me your target? Am I a burden to you? I'm reading this like, what? Job, bro, you better get low. You better stop, drop, and roll. You better like you know, bob and weave because the smack is coming, right? That's, that's what I am feeling. Like I'm legit terrified as I am like reading these passages and I'm like, it's like a horror movie. I'm like, where's my popcorn? I just need to like, dude, watch out. He's coming for you. God always gets full. He always gets the full. Watch your back, right? That is what I am feeling. And then we start, you know, thinking that we're Jesus on the cross. Lord, just have mercy on him. He know not what he do. He know not what he do, right? So I remember having this feeling, right, of like, oh, maybe that's not the move. Um, I was proofreading a devotional for a friend, 
And she had this prayer starter um, toward the end of the devotional where, you know, she starts off praying and she says this um, to God in her prayer that she's leading other people through. We are tired of waiting on you and for you. Y'all, let me, yeah, I, I had to clutch my proverbial pearls because I was like, ooh, like you can be honest, um, but there's a line. There's a line. And did, does that cross the line? I'm not sure, but it sure feels like it's close to the line. And I, I know that I can like yell and I can scream and I can tell God about all of the things that I am feeling, but I know as a, a, as a mature Christian and someone who is leading other people um, that I can do that without disrespecting God while maintaining my reverence uh, for the eternal God who was at the beginning and the end, right? I can do that. And so I'm trying to be mindful of how close we walk to that line. Um, and if I can't, I just stay away from it because we begin to set a precedence right, for the people that we lead and the example that we set. And here, here's something that I would, I would guess. Many of you will someday be leading people um, in this walk with God, and all of you should be influencing someone else someone else who is coming up, someone else who is seeking God, someone else who has decided to follow Jesus and you're going to make disciples, baptize them, and then teach them to obey all that Jesus commanded, you're going to be in some sort of place of influence. And my encouragement to you is to demonstrate a maturity in God and how we can be honest and real and vulnerable without crossing a line of irreverence as much as you um, as much as you can, because here's the thing, we start to speak to God as though he owes us, right? As though he's some genie in the lamp, right? That we just rub and he pops out and, and, and asks, well, what can I do for you today, Massa? Like, that's not what's happening here, right? That's not the God who we serve. We bow down to him. He does not bow down to us. And we, we do this thing under the guise of being raw and real and so forth and so on, um, as though God thinks it's cute that while we're processing the things that we feel, um, that we can ascribe to his holiness things that are not true, as though he is too slow or too absent or too unaware of the things that are happening in your life. Um, and so I know that the Bible, again, tells me that as a teacher, I'm going to be held uh, to a higher standard, right? And I believe that many of you may be held to a higher standard one day. And so keep that bar high. Whether or not you're a teacher, to be quite honest, keep the bar high. Follow Jesus closely, um, as close as you can, instead of seeing how you can walk with God um, just enough, Right, give him just enough instead of having a faith that is all out um, for God. So this leads me to um, my second point, um, and that is to be careful who you share your heart with. Be careful who you share your heart with. Share with godly, Holy Spirit-filled friends when you are um, struggling in your faith. You want to share with people whose faith will not waver as you are wavering, right? As your faith is struggling. You want to share with friends who are like, you know what? They're going to stand their ground. They're going to stay close to Jesus. They're going to give godly sound advice even when I am tripping. 
those are the people that you want to share with. And now, even though in, in these chapters, uh, Job's friends give some uh, inaccurate counsel, inaccurate advice, we do know that Job rolled with wise friends, right? Job rolled with godly people who come from places that uh, were known for their wisdom and for their discernment. Um, and typically, you know, the Bible just said bad company corrupts good character. And so in general, I would think the reverse is true, right? Good company builds good character. And we know that Job was a pretty awesome dude. And so he probably rolled with pretty awesome dudes. And so um, these men, right, they would sit with him for seven days to let him mourn, right? They understood that when someone is mourning, that person needs to be the first one to break the silence, not them. Like they had enough wisdom and decorum uh, to carry themselves um, in a way that is proper. Uh, but if we process the ugly things of our heart with men and women who are too weak or immature in their faith, we may create a stumbling block for them. They may not be able to handle our struggles, um, or they may be like Job's, Job's wife, who was just like, curse God and die, right? You don't want to share, <laughs> you don't want to share your struggles with people like that, who are just going to be like, you just need to go ahead and curse God and die. That's, that's not the business, right? So as I went back and forth in my head, right, over, like, why did the words in that particular devotional, why did they bother me so much? What was it um, about it? Because it just... I couldn't let it go. You know, I gave my advice or my recommendations on some edits. Um, but the rest of the day, I just kept wanting, like, what is it that just, that's in me that is not letting me, like, let this be okay, right? What was it? And so I just kind of kept going back and forth because I'm, I'm thinking, I was like, well, I've heard a lot of people again say, you know, we can be real and honest with God. Look at David. David was sometimes tripping as he wrote his Psalms. Uh, but yet still, you know, we learn of David that he was a man after God's own heart. And so, okay, like, you know, what is it? And so um, later that day, uh, the Holy Spirit just dropped a word in my heart to look up. Um, and so I looked up the word, and this is what the definition of that word is. It's a verb. It means to speak impiously or irreverently of God or sacred things, to utter impieties, to speak evil of, to slander or abuse. Want to know what that word was? That word was blaspheme. That was the word that the Spirit just randomly dropped in my heart. And when I looked it up, I was like, that's it. That's it. That's why this bothers me so much. Now, is this like, you know, the, the blasphemy that is unforgivable? No, it's not that. However, um, I don't want to be in that camp, right? I don't want to like tiptoe around, get as close to the fire as I possibly can. Like, I want to stay a nice, safe distance from the fire. So when I'm on the struggle bus, right, as I sometimes am, uh, when I'm on the struggle bus, I had to learn how to like process my feelings um, and proclaim the goodness of God first.
Even while I'm still in the funk, I had to I had to get to a place where I could um, proclaim the goodness of God first, to speak truth over my life, to speak truth over the struggles according to the word of God, to praise God in the middle of the storm, uh, to praise God so that my heart could soften, right? So that I could be honest and still fear and reverence the Lord in my prayers, right? As uh, Philippians 4, 8 says, you know, I needed to fix my thoughts on what is true, what is honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable, right? I need to think about those things. So lastly, um, I want us to be careful of our perspective, right? Be careful of your perspective. Depending upon the condition of your heart, your perspective can shift, your perspective can shift. So let's look back at when Job was throwing that like teenage tantrum, right? Verses uh, 17 to 19. Uh, what are people that you should make so much of us, that you should think of us so often, for you examine us every morning and test us every moment? Why won't you leave me alone at least long enough for me to swallow? Just mad, right? But those words with a different perspective um, from the mouth of David has a very different tone, right? Same words, different tone. Psalm 8, 3 through 5, the scriptures read, When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? human beings that you should care for them yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor see you can either be glad that God sees everything and he knows everything and finds security in that or you can feel like God is this overbearing parent that you just want to leave you alone it's all about your perspective Right, we can take the same knowledge, the same truths about God, and then twist them or feel good or feel bad about them depending upon where we are. So how is your perspective today? How is your view of God? Maybe you feel like Job, right? Knowing you didn't do nothing wrong, right? And we know that about Job. Job didn't do nothing wrong, but yet and still here he is in his pain and his suffering and his trials. He's going through the most. He's mourning the loss of every single thing he has down to his health. How do you handle that? What do you need to do to go from Job to David, right? To go from Job's perspective to David's perspective, how can you find hope and comfort knowing that the God of the universe sees you and knows you and that he cares about you, that he won't forget you, that your, your name is written on his hand, um, and that he's working all things together for your good and for your glory. Uh, so I want to leave you with some scriptures uh, to help you um, with your perspective in seasons when you are feeling a lot like Job. Um, so I'm going to hit these kind of fast. Um, so write them down. Write them down, students. Uh, Numbers 23, 19 through 20. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Listen, 
Listen, I received a command to bless. God has blessed and I cannot reverse it. Luke 6, 38, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Isaiah 49, 14 through 16. Yet Jerusalem says the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. Never can a mother forget her nursing child. Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. See, I have written your name on the palms of my hand. Always in my mind is a picture of Jerusalem's walls in ruin. And then last scripture, Psalm 91, 14 through 16. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When you call on me or when they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. TWU, God is for you. He's for you. And sometimes he's like a coach standing on the sidelines while you are wrestling it out. And you may want him to come in to the game and fix it, but he can't. His best role is to stand on the sidelines and encourage you, strengthen you, cheer you on um, from where he is as a coach. But know that he's rooting for you and know that he wants you to win. Um, and in the end, I think God will say, didn't I do it? Right. I said it loud enough for all the people in the back to hear. And yes, indeed, you did learn today that I am God. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, God, we come before you. Uh, God, it is so refreshing to know that you are for us. Uh, Father, we pray that as we go through the seasons of life that are so hard and so challenging, uh, Father, that we will look to you. God, that we will be honest, that we will bear our souls and our hearts and our frustrations um, and our hurts before your throne. Uh, but God, that we will still reverence you and honor you because you are a good God. You are faithful and true and just. You know all you see, all we trust, that you are working things for our good even if we can't see it, even if we don't know what's happening in the spiritual realm, we trust you because you are trustworthy. So Father, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. All right. To God be the glory. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope to worship with you at our next broadcast online at livechapel.twu.ca. You can also stay connected with Chapel and Student Ministries by following us on Instagram at TWU Chapel and at TWU Student Min. Much love.